This is for the new people. We have a lot of new listeners to this show. A lot of people are sharing inside reproductive health around the fertility field. And so that's a huge thank you to the old people, people that have been listening for a couple of years or at least some months. For the new folks, if you've been listening, uh, maybe in the past couple episodes, you've been binging recently, it helps so much if you leave a review in the in the Apple podcast store or in whichever podcast platform that you listen. Will you do that? Will you take 10 seconds right now to write a review for Inside Reproductive Health in your podcast platform? Because that really helps the show. And it really helps us bring you more free content like what we have today, which is a profile of a newer company in the fertility space called Rescripted. I have the co-founders, Kristen Hodgson and Abby Mercado on the show. A lot of people might be listening. Hey, what the heck? You know, you said you don't have startups on the show most of the time. You said you don't have industry side companies on the show most of the time. Yeah, most of the time it's true. Sometimes I do. I don't know. Keep asking me. Show up to conferences that I'm at. And uh, yeah, eventually I'll also figure out this sponsorship platform for the, the show that we can get more sponsors in that do doesn't have to be an endorsement from me because there's very few companies, i.e. EngagedMD. It's like EngagedMD and maybe one, other, one or two other companies that I feel comfortable giving the full Griffin Jones endorsement to. And so... Uh, we will expand that platform. Um, but in the meantime, we talk about their company, Rescripted. And I think it's good for docs to listen to as well, because many of you want to start your own businesses or, or like side ventures or get involved with something scalable in VC that's you know not the clinical duties that you have right now. It's useful, the unpacking that we do of how companies have to reiterate and pivot and uh, when to get funding and how you get revenue and, and how far deep do you go and um, why some companies can pull this model off and not others. It's going to be for the marketplace to decide if Rescripted and others actually pull it off. I don't know if they will. Uh, I, I hope they do, but uh, it's not me that decides. Uh, it's not you either. It is the marketplace. And it is their ability to respond to it. So I think all of those insights are going to be really good for people that are thinking they might want to get involved in some entrepreneurial venture. And I hope you enjoy this show with Abby Mercado and Kristen Hodgson from Rescripted. Ms. Hodgson, Ms. Mercado, Kristen, Abby, welcome to Inside Reproductive Health. Thanks for having us, Griffin. Happy to Thanks be so much, Griffin. Happy to be here. Let's start with a tangent that I know the audience is going to be super thrilled to go on. Do either of you know who Josh Allen is? Ooh. Okay. So, well, this, this is a problem nationwide because, <laughs> because Josh Allen needs to be telling people how to bundle their home and auto insurance and getting huge deals from Pepsi. Josh Allen is the quarterback of the Buffalo Bills that deserves oh. every, every bit as much fame as as uh, Patrick Mahomes and certainly more than that dude, mm -hmm. Baker Mayfield that got a whole progressive campaign for five years for doing nothing. But Josh Allen turns out is an incredible quarterback based on his performance in 2020, 2021. I'm from Buffalo, which is a place where you are just supposed to 
believe you're supposed to believe in whoever the guy is. And I, I, and I, and I didn't. And so not that I doubted Josh Allen, not that I said he couldn't or he wouldn't, but he's not the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't have to just have faith in him because I wanted to see extreme performance before consistently before I said, yep, I think this is the guy. And I, I have seen that from Josh Allen. I believe in him. The true believers would will say that I was a doubter and a all of that in, in the past, but it's a, no, I just need to see it. I'm, I'm agnostic to it. And so as neither Josh Allen is the Lord Jesus Christ, neither are either of you a sponsor of this, <laughs> a sponsor of this show. And so I don't have to think that Rescripted is the best thing in the world yet. And so I want to talk to you all about this because I have offended people in the past more than once that have attempted a similar model. And I'm just like, each time I'm like, what's different that's going to make it work this time? And I'm not asking that to be like, I don't think you're ever going to make this work. I'm just going to, I'm just saying, I get a few emails a year from people attempting similar models that they haven't made it work yet. And so let's start off with, so I just want to let you know, we're going the Josh Allen route today. <laughs> All right. Let's we knew you it. would challenge us. So let's, let's just start off with what is the model uh, for your business Rescripted? Explain that to the audience, please. Awesome. We can absolutely do that. Um, and thanks again for having us, Griffin. We're, we're super excited to tell you more um, about our business. So Rescripted is the number one global media platform for fertility, infertility, and pregnancy loss. We reach 3 million people on a monthly basis. We are also a technology company. And we provide three different applications, three different apps, if you will. Um, a social network, um, first. Secondly, a direct-to-consumer product marketplace. And third, a direct-to-consumer digital pharmacy. So that is what Rescripted is. Um, our business model, we make money in a few different ways, but far and away media um, is our, our biggest revenue driver. So that is us. So did you say three million... Viewers, users, followers, I'm sorry, what was the 3 million? We reach 3 million people every month. 3 is, is, million it, people, yeah. And so that's through total channels, your social media, your app, your exactly. website users, et cetera. So that's exactly. Uh, and then the social network that you have, how many people does that entail? So we've got about 9,000 people in our social network. Um, and this is outside of traditional social media networks. And you know, and Kristen can speak a lot more to this um, because she the, she was the brains behind this. But you know, we essentially we realized that that people interested in fertility topics, so a lot of infertility patients and people who were receiving fertility treatments, they weren't interested in engaging on traditional social media networks about such you know topics that are so private. So Kristen noticed that, um, and then you know built something outside of those channels, um, and that is today rescripted. So. Uh, making sure I'm following social networks got about 9,000 people. Is that, are there other parts of the app or is the social network, the app? Tell me about that. So it's a web app to clarify. So it's not a native app. Um, it's an app on the web. So you don't have to download anything. And by the way, we encourage everyone listening to become a member of our social network. We do not discriminate. We love everyone. Please join, even if you're a physician. Um, so the way that the way that the app looks. Um, so we call ourselves a mullet. So media in the front, technology in the back. Um, so a lot of people find us by reading our content 
Um, and so once they get into our app, they can do one of four things. They can read a bunch of content, they can join our social network, they can go shopping, um, they can buy products, or they can order medications from us. Um, and those meds are fulfilled by our pharmacy partners. So do they still call that a WAP? Like 12 years ago, they used to call it a WAP. They, they, they I don't think it, so. That, that's, that, that's a dead word now. <laughs> okay. uh, RIP WAP. So it's a, uh, so then those, you, you said that part, so it's not a native app yet. Well, why not? So we actually did start the business as a native app. Um, so, you know, a technology first company, we spent a lot of time thinking about technology, building, a, building our technology. We have an entire tech team. We, we can move faster um, by operating on the web um, versus in the smartphone universe. Um, and, you know, it's just the way that it's the way that we've we've opted to do things. We can just be more nimble, um, and we can listen to patients better and respond to what they need. So, okay. So, when you say that the, uh, I have to remember if I'm summing up what you said correctly, that the you said that the that the social network is the is the is the most developed side of the business. I'm, I'm sorry. Repeat what <laughs> what is most. What, so our revenue, so, so our revenue drivers are primarily on the media side. Um, our social network is an app um, that we use to attract more members um, and to, you know, it's a warm, loving, compassionate place where you're seeing mostly infertility patients engage with one another on, you know, topics that they're facing. So, you know, that's kind of one piece of it. People come to our site for our content. Um, and we do content primarily. We have a, a whole editorial team, but we do content in partnership mostly with brands. Um, so we work with traditional fertility brands. Um, so brands you've heard of, like Organon, LabCorp. Um, we also partner with various clinics, RMA, CCRM, Inception, um, to put that content in front of folks. We also partner with a lot of startups um, in the fertility space. Legacy, Ava, Family, the list goes on. So as a media company, we are putting brands in front of the consumer and using using that content to educate the consumer um, in an evidence-based science-backed way. We really saw a need through our own infertility journeys, Abby and I, um, for to meet patients where they are because you know, patients are going to Dr. Google regardless on their, on their IVF journeys. And, you know, instead of finding Healthline or, you know, very well health articles that are very dry and often not tailored to the experience of an actual fertility patient, our content is written mostly by those who have actually been through it or with the help of clinics or other brand partners, um, led by women who have also been through it. So, um, very personalized and very sensitive to the audience and, you know, like, what can you actually expect when you go through IVF? What if you make a medication mistake? Um, you know, we know people are Googling those things and not finding the information they actually want to read. And so that's how we draw people in. Um, to our community. And then on our actual web app, they can, you know, engage with others who are going through similar experiences. Uh, 
can you talk a little bit about uh, so if the revenue driver is the media side is it character is it accurate to characterize it partly as an influencer program we don't like we don't like to call ourselves influencers um we do have a substantial instagram following we have almost 95,000 followers on instagram so we are the single largest account for patients but we think we do more than just that because we're actually creating written content, um, which is what this this demographic seems to be drawn to. So, you know, mostly millennial women. We serve ninety seven percent of ninety seven percent women between the ages of twenty five and forty four. They like to read content, um, and so that's that's what we serve them with. So, if there's ninety five thousand from the Instagram following, nine thousand from the the proprietary social network, where is the rest of the 2.9 million coming from? So there's there's a difference between who is actually following us versus who we are actually who we are reaching. So we do a ton of work on SEO. Um, so a lot of people are finding us organically through our content. We also have ads, you know, typical typical marketing tactics to bring people to our site. Um, but the, uh, it's actually 110,000 total people in our community. Um, that is different from, you know, the three versus impressions. Yeah. So the media is the biggest revenue driver. Is it programmatic? Is it, is it all sponsor driven? How does that work? It's all sponsor driven. Oh, uh, are you creating the content for the sponsors too, or it's display is like, what's the, uh, so, program for them. So something we really pride ourselves in at Rescripted is that we're not going to post on Instagram on, you know, a, like a banner ad for your clinic or your brand. That's just not what we're going to do. Everything we do is educational for patients. Um, and so when you see us working with doc reproductive endocrinologists and clinics, it's, you know, four things to know if you're doing IVF under, under 30 or, five things to know about why your IVF cycle might get canceled. You know, the, the topics are endless, but my point is that, you know, we're never just saying sponsored by RMA. It's always for the patient. All of our content is free. Our community is free. We don't believe in charging patients for support on an already difficult journey. We, we want to help clinics, you know, gain more awareness but also provide patients with the information they're looking for and need. Are you able to share some of your sponsors? We shared a bunch of them, um, <laughs> but um, you know, we're, so let's say I'll, I'll kind of reiterate them. So we do a lot of work with Organon. Um, we do a lot of work with LabCorp. <clears throat> we do a lot of work with RMA, CCRM, um, Inception, specifically NYU. Pinnacle. Um, we Pinnacle. We work with a ton of startups. Um, legacy, Ava, family, expectful, the list goes on. So anyone that is in the reproductive, hormonal, and sexual health space, we're really interested in talking to. Um, we think that they're, you know, they're doing a great job educating and innovating, but we want to make their voices louder. So yeah, we're doing a really cool partnership right now with Cicero Diagnostics about um, you know, just educating patients on why they might need the receptiva DX test. Like, could their unexplained infertility be endometriosis? Like we're, we're 
arming patients with the information they need to advocate for themselves. Because when we were patients and I'm still technically a patient, um, we felt like we didn't have the information that we needed, um, to sort of ask the right questions. Do you charge by a lead generation model? No. Um, so we charge, you know, we, we put together essentially packages, um, for our sponsors based on, you know, what kinds of content that they want to put in front of patients. And, you know, I think like what is really unique about us is that we are a media platform with substantial reach, but we're also doing all of the creative. So Kristen, our chief creative officer, she has an editorial team of seven below her. Um, you know, I, I think I forget the exact percentage, but many of our um, of our writers have been through fertility treatments themselves. So they're really speaking from the heart um, when they help brands educate patients. Um, and, you know, they often share their stories as well. And then we also have a team of four short form video content creators that also work under Kristen. Um, so we're doing the creative and the media. Um, which is something that's really special about us and very different mm-hmm. from what you see of a typical media company. And I've been doing this a long time. I started my original company, the Fertility Tribe, back in 2018. And I'm obviously, I've been through many, you know, years of IVF myself and um, we're always very sensitive. I think I mentioned this earlier, but um, we kind of know what resonates, what doesn't, what to say, what not to say. It's a, it's a very touchy audience. And as you know, like social media can be tough. Um, but I think people have grown to trust what we have to say and know that we have their best intentions in mind, which I think is important because, you know, anyone can just post on social media and say they're an infertility support platform, but, um, we've really like walked the walk and talked the talk. Yeah. Uh, the, the, on the sponsorship side, is it, is it people that like, are they one-off sponsorships? Like I just want to sponsor this article or this particular feature or are they, are they ongoing? You know, it's, it runs the gamut. We, we, we like longer term partnerships, of course, you know, we're, we're a business where, you know, trying to keep the lights on. Um, but, you know, I think more importantly, we like to do longer term partnerships because our focus when we work with various brands in the fertility space is brand awareness. Um, so we're not, you know, we're, we're never, we're not going to like promise conversions. Like we hope that that happens for these really great brands, but you know, what we can offer to the brands that we work with is awareness. And, you know, as like people, a lot of people who are probably listening to this podcast know, because like we're all consumers, you can't just do something once and buy it. Like you've got to see something different times, um, to want to buy it. So, um, that, that is what, that's our promise of brands when we work with them. How did you start approaching? At what point did you start approaching sponsors? Like Kristen, you had the Fertility Tribe prior to this, so uh, like, did you have sponsors even before you started making Rescripted? Kind of like, at what point did you start approaching people? Yeah, um, so in my former life um, with the Fertility Tribe, I was doing it as my side hustle at first. I actually started it as my own personal blog you know, before I got pregnant with my twins through IVF and, 
Um, and then it grew from there very organically and, um, some sponsors started approaching me and, um, but it was actually really hard to keep up with. Um, so when I met Abby and we merged our businesses and we, you know, got some more manpower, um, and capital under our belts, um, we were able to, to grow that portion of our business really significantly. Like what, like year timeframe is this? Oh, um, I would say like. I started, I quit my full-time job in late 2020 and really started ramping up the brand partnerships. Um, COVID made me do it and best decision I ever made. <laughs> Did you just pick up the phone and start cold calling or I well, they approached you LinkedIn? No, yeah. Most of them approached me. Um, and then, you know, and then it went from there and they saw good results and they wanted to keep working with, with me. And, and so I definitely brought a decent amount of brand part of relationships, at least to the partnership. And then, um, Abby worked her magic and we were able to extend a lot of those, um, of those partnership, uh, agreements and, um, and even, you know, pitch way more. So, okay. So was like, was this the first, um, was this like the first business side, the first revenue, attached arm of the company was sponsorships? So hmm, no, certainly not. So we, you know, it's, and like, I love, I love this podcast reference, like so much, so much real talk. Like we've tried a ton of things. It's no secret that it is difficult for companies like extraneous to clinics to make money in this space. Um, like it's, it's kind of a maze, it's a, it's a puzzle, um, so on and so forth. So the, the business that I originally started before I met Kristen um, was a company called Best Shot um, in partnership with Kristen and my other other co-founder pair um, or CTO. And um, we did B2B, B2B2C medication management. Um, that was something that I was really passionate about. Um, I'm the mom of um, IBS twins who were three. And I made a, an error in, you know, in administering a medication. I didn't know I was pregnant. And I unfortunately miscarried that, that baby in a pregnancy. So, um, you know, that was kind of my ultimate founder story. And, you know, I became very, very determined and a former VC investor. So I became very determined to just like make a, make a difference in this industry. And so, Parent and I, we started selling our, this was actually a native app. Um, so we did build a native app um, and clinics loved it. Um, you know, we, we piloted with Boston IBS and with Columbia, Dr. Foreman and um, Conceptions of Colorado and Mainline Fertility. We had a lot of really excellent pilots, but um, ultimately we decided to pivot because interoperable, interoperability in this space is horrific. <laughs> Like it's really difficult to integrate with EMR. And, you know, that was something that, you know, we thought we could get away with not doing, but the nurses that we became so close with with these clinics were like, this is, you know, we're drowning here. Like, What specifically was it that you were trying to do that you couldn't do because of the inoperability? So we were, we were trying to enable patients with better medication management. So they were able to, you know, essentially download a native app that was associated with their clinic um, where they could actually, you know, see their, their regimen, their ever-changing regimen. You know, they didn't have to, you know, get that call from their nurse or, you know, like 
get on their EMR that they can't even access from their smartphone and see how their regimen was changing. Um, so we're, we are trying to like bust that up and, you know, to this day, like no people are still not doing this right. Um, from a clinic perspective, we have a portion of that in our, our pharmacy offering today. Um, but yeah, it was, it was really challenging. It was really difficult. And, um, you know, I, I think it was November of 2020, Tara and I looked at each other and we we're like, man, what, like, what are we doing this for? Like, we're doing this actually for the patients. How can we get away with doing this direct to consumer and really, you know, change people's lives through content, tools, and resources that can help them on their journey? So um, luckily, I, I met Kristen on Instagram, which is so wild. We realized we had everything in common. And, you know, Kristen was like, how do I make this a big business? And I was like, I have so many ideas for you as to, you know, how to grow your revenue. Um, and I was like, Kristen, how do I resonate with the consumer? Like, I'm such a B2B SaaS nerd. It's, you know, what I invested in. It was the business that I built. Like, how do I actually talk to these consumers? And Kristen was like, I can help you with that. Um, and so we decided that, you know, we are going to merge and build something together um, that really addresses our pain points. So the inoperability was on the client workflow side or was on the EMR side? It was on the EMR side. So, you know, essentially like nurses only want to do data entry once. Like I don't blame them, obviously. Like we get it. Um, like they're so busy. It's they're one of the biggest on, like, challenges chickens. in the field. Like people ask me, oh, oh why don't, why don't you build a CRM? Because it won't, like, unless it doesn't it, work, unless <laughs> it talks to the EMR flu as fluidly as QuickBooks talks to my, you know, receipt apps or like, and all of those things, like, un unless it does that, like, it's a non-starter. The client, yeah. like, the clinics cannot take on one more software. No, and so, it's, yeah, it's an enormous problem. So, um, we met with um, one EMR and I mean, we met with a lot of them, but you know, there was they were like, we'll, we'll do, <laughs> yeah, we'll, totally. we'll do this. No, no. We'll do yeah. this ourselves and, and then not do it themselves. And you took the words right <laughs> out of my mouth. And we had the backing of the CEO of like their largest company. We still couldn't, we, we still couldn't um, pull it off. So. so did you go right from that model to, uh, or, or, you know, trying that concept and trying that model to the sponsor, uh, funded content model or was there something else in between? Yeah. So there was something else in between. Um, we, you know, Pear and I were still very much interested in medications, you know, Kristen was as well, but, you know, we said, okay, but like, how do we get into pharmacy? Like, you know, this is potentially an interesting face. It's kind of a shitty face, but anyway, like, how can we actually affect change here? Um, and so we essentially brought our, native app onto the web, um, which was, you know, pretty straightforward from a technology standpoint. And we said, okay, let's, let's actually like vertically integrate this. What does that mean? Like, let's talk about what that means. So, um, you know, that means actually dispensing the fertility medications, right? So like, you know, starting a pharmacy for most people who listen to this podcast, definitely know it, it is not easy. Um, so we're not interested in, in starting a fertility pharmacy, but we were really interested in partnering with them um, and helping some of these pharmacies who we think are really amazing pharmacies, like actually like talk to patients a little bit better and help patients a little bit better. So, um, you know, we became 
a direct-to-consumer cash pay hub pharmacy network. Um, and so today we work with Braun Pharmacare in Chicago and Rosemont Pharmacy in Philly. Um, and we essentially help them help bring them patients and educate those patients. And um, it's been great. It's a, it's kind of a secondary revenue driver for us. Um, but it's it's been it's been really interesting. And I think we're helping a lot of people and you know, kind of it just kind of double-clicking on the fact that patient advocacy in this space really works. Like Sure, your clinic might have, you know, some sort of relationship with a pharmacy, but like from a pricing perspective, this is still the rational economic buyer. Like, can restricted pharmacies actually do better? Oftentimes we can. Most times we can. So um, anyway, it's 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 the secondary revenue driver, but it's been really interesting. We've kind of stumbled on media and we said, wow, these brands are really trying to get their names out, out there. Like we can help them um, while also helping patients. So the cash pay side, the or how did you phrase that? A cash pay, a, <laughs> a cash direct, pay, a di- yeah, direct to consumer cash pay hub pharmacy network. Direct to consumer cash. I, and I would only pay. say this that the, that phrase on this Pharm- podcast Pharm- because okay. if you ever said that to the consumer, they'd be like, "What the f are you talking about?" Certainly, <laughs> certainly but. But our audience might be doing that right now too. So explain yeah. like how that works. Like how you said you have Rosemont and then one in Philly. Essentially, the way that we built this um, was to say, you know, w- w- like what is our goal? Like our goal is to educate patients and actually help them find really inexpensive medications, um, regardless of what clinic they go to. Like that shouldn't matter. Like you know, you could go to a smaller boutique clinic but not have a great pharmacy deal. Um, because we know it's we know it's a volume game, like we knew that. Um, and so essentially what happens is, you know, let's say we have a patient in Arizona, like, you know, Brown is, you know, definitely, I, Brown has many, many licenses in many states, um, but like Arizona might not be their biggest market. So, you know, we might meet a patient in Arizona who is going to a particular clinic and, you know, they find us and they say, wow, this is like not only cheap medication, but you know, there's also like a huge education component. Also, I don't have to call anyone. Like, that's cool. Like, I can just essentially text with my pharmacist. Like, I don't, I don't have to pick up the phone and like wait on the line for an hour for who, who even knows like what person. Um, so, you know, essentially we're bringing, we're bringing patients to Ron and to Rosemont that they might not normally, you know, be able to to capture is is that pay per lead or is that pay per fit like how does how does the transaction work it's um yeah pay per lead you could say that okay so you're delivering leads to them and then and then you're paying they're they're paying but it's it's like sure it's the it's the leads like that's great for them but i think it's it's more so the technology like that, the technology is the differentiator here. So we're meeting patients where they're at. They're already familiar with prescriptive. They're already reading our content and our friends, like engaged in the social network. Um, and now like we have our own med teach videos. We have our own push notifications as to when you need to take your medication. Um, you know, you never have to pick up the phone and call your pharmacy. Like you literally just get on our platform and say, Hey, like I would like a refill or like, Hey, I'd like to schedule a video call, which by the way, can be done on our platform, um, with, with my pharmacist to, you know, understand a little menopause. I have a lot of questions. This is a really complex drug. Um, so it's, 
short sleeve, but I would say it's, it's more so the technology um, and the fact that we can do this from a pricing perspective, because, you know, like we're able, we're able to get great pricing because we're representing so many patients in our restricted network. So is then, are you using the platform to educate patients that if you're a cash pay patient, you can go to whatever pharmacy yes. you want as opposed to, you know, the, the nurse says, go to this pharmacy. Yeah. Uh, yes. That is exactly what we're trying to do. Like you guys have, you have the choice. Like, don't, don't, you know, like you're, you're not caught, you're not caught in this. Like, don't think you can't advocate for yourself. And like, if you want to use the pharmacy that your, your clinic is recommending, great. Like that's totally fine. Just know that you have a choice. So it seems as somebody that's not totally educated in this part of the space, it seems to me like that would be a much bigger revenue opportunity than sponsorships. <laughs> so yeah. uh, like why not go a hog wild on that? What, what well, we the, need what clinics to recommend us to their no, patients. No, we don't. We, don't. we actually don't. Like, we yeah, are. that's what We're, I'm thinking. You don't yeah. like, like I, I mean, I, th I think that uh, that going through clinics is for suckers like me, meaning just like people that <laughs> that like can't go like other way, like like. But yeah, I think the re part of the reason why modern fertility is a huge success in this space is because it's like, well, we don't need to, like we don't need to go through the clinics to like get them to do this testing. Like we're going to bring this testing to Walmart. We're going to scale this. Like mm -hmm. you, you're reaching 3 million people, uh, at least, you know, to some degree, then eyeball sees something for a second and counts that 3 million people, but you're probably meaningfully reaching, uh, hundreds of thousands of people at the very least meaningfully reaching tens of thousands of people. It seemed like you don't need the, the clinic. So like, why not just like, like, what are the obstacles there? It seemed it, it just, this is like business bro talk when you're having a drink. No, with somebody love, and they're like, and they're like, you, you gotta do, you gotta do this, man. <laughs> like, so what I'm asking is why not? Like, what are the things that yeah. are, that are, that would prevent that from blowing Go the ahead. heck up? Yeah. I like, I like your use of the phrase hog wild. So we're in the process of going hog wild. So I think in the next year you'll, you know, I think Rescripted will be like more of a name in, in the pharmacy space. And, you know, we're excited about, we're putting together some partnerships that, that we're really, really pumped about. But, you know, I think what's, what's important to note on the media side and like on, on the sponsorship side. So like, we're not just talking about infertility. We're not just talking about these big brands that we all see, you know, at AFRM and, you know, all the physicians we see at AFRM. Like, that's, that is a small piece of, like, what we are doing. Um, like, we are engaged in fertility and fertility and pregnancy loss. So when we look at the market, like, the so let's talk about, like, the millennial parenting market is worth $46 billion. So, like, it's our belief that the pre-parenting market is actually just that substantial, maybe. Like, there are 30 million people in the United States right this minute who are trying to have a baby. It is going to be more challenging than they think for, I don't know, like 75% of those people, like, even if they don't go to a fertility clinic. So, what we're noticing is that a lot of people are really struggling with this basic sex ed stuff. Um, like Inception ran a, 
um, you know, listeners to this podcast probably remember the study a couple of years ago that Inception ran where like we uncovered that 40% of women don't understand what ovulation is. If you don't understand what ovulation is, how the heck are you going to get pregnant? So there's just like a baseline lack of understanding in basic fertility concepts. So infertility is a small amount of what we'll do in the future. Like we think this market is enormous and we think people need um, so that's why we're so excited about media. But to your point, we're also really excited about pharmacy. I promise I will figure out this sponsorship scheme for Inside Reproductive Health so that we can get people on advertising, sharing their content without it being an endorsement from me, because there are so few companies, there might be one or two other companies that I would give an endorsement to, but so far it has just been engaged MD. And the reason is I'm just not qualified to be able to talk about a certain company's performance. It would have, they ha it would have to be so disproportionately positive. And that for me has been engaged MD. I have more than half of my clients that have used engaged MD. Every single one of them loves it. Many of them have started after we begin working with them. And they and every other person that I've ever spoken to that is a user of Engaged MD talks about how much time and grief it saves their nurses and their staff, that they don't have to do the same things over and over again. They have a much more scalable and efficient platform for educating patients, building that rapport. So then when the nurse or the clinician talks to the patient, they're able to tailor that conversation to what the patient actually needs and not repeating the same things to someone that's a deer in headlights. I keep hearing how much time engaged MD is saving fertility staff, keep hearing how much stress it's saving them at a time when burnout is still crazy. People are still leaving positions left and right, when in my view, they shouldn't be, we still lack a lot of technological solutions that I hope we have in the next five, 10 years. But EngageMD is one that is here now. And more than half of the practices in North America are using EngagedMD. So I hope that you are in that group. But if you're not, if you're still in the now on the laggard side of the bell curve, then I hope that you go to engagedmd.com slash Griffin, and they're going to give you a free workflow assessment. You're going to be able to see what other clinics, you're going to get some insights from how other clinics have things structured. And you're going to see a couple major areas that you can prove to keep your team from burning out, to keep them from stress. That's free as long as you mention my name and the podcast. And I ask that you share that with them anyway, because it's one of the things that helps give free content to you and to all of the listeners. But the real beneficiary is your team and your patients, because patients have a much better experience when they can be better educated, when they can do things on their time, and then they can have what needs to be tailor fit to them, truly personalized care. And so the real beneficiaries are staff and patients do it for them, not me, but it's nice to help out the podcast and get yourself a free workflow assessment by going to engagemd.com slash Griffin. And now back to the show. Why I'm asking you to speculate, 
and maybe it's some maybe it's legal things that I don't know about. Why do you suspect that no pharmacy did this themselves? Like it's like okay, if these people who are like super passionate and, and talented with media come from the infertility community, and one of the ways that they apply that is by generating uh, subscriptions. Like, why didn't a pharmacy do this? I said subscription. It's, I think well, I prescriptions. Prescriptions. <laughs> um, we do both. Um, so, <laughs> like, for from our perspective, like you kind of. Well, so Kristen, I will credit this like Instagram content a genius. Like you, you this you cannot do this organically today. So the fact that Kristen was in her waiting room and was like, wait, we're all like really sad about being in this clinic right now. We're all going through the same thing. Like, why aren't we sharing our stories? And because she's a professional writer, by the way, like has worked in the publishing industry, like that is her superpower. She like created this herself and amassed 90,000 Instagram followers. Like that is incredible. That is uncommon um, to be clear. Like that is very, very, very challenging to do. Um, and Kristen did it. Like you can do it if you have a lot of money, but you know, this was as Kristen reflected her side hustle. So to really hit the consumer and to really understand the consumer, you have to have a following. So, you know, it's, it's almost like if, and this is why, you know, media companies can become so interesting um, because they're, they're content community and commerce plays. Right. And you can kind of like, pick your favorite commerce play, like you're going to make it work if you have, you know, a substantial following and you have a decently smart team. So you got to, you got to start with the following and pharmacies uh, don't have that. <laughs> all right. I, so you didn't say it this way, but I'm saying it this way based on the observation of, of what you just said is it was too big of a lift for them. And I, I feel comfortable categorizing it this way because I wanted like to get some of these companies to think about and very often, uh, especially at pharmacies, they kind of like will kind of like reach out to me and they're like, well, you know, we kind of want to do a little B2B marketing, but we also kind of want to reach directly to patients. And uh, it's like this would be a big in order for them to do it. Uh, they would have to find a Kristen. They would really have it would, like couldn't just be like a a, you know, like a little influencer deal like they would actually have to really devote biz dev to this. Um, but it, but it is possible that they could have done this. And, uh, but it's like, ah, they, uh, well, we're, we're not, we're not, uh, consumer facing, you know, it's, we're, we're better off going to the nurses. We're a commodity that it's like, well, you guys just did it and you're not even a pharmacy. <laughs> and so, uh, and like, it could also, been I think if we were just a pharmacy, people might not trust us as yes. much as they do. Like, I think because it would be better to keep the brand separate for sure. Yes. But, yeah. but they could have gone to fertility tribe. They, they could, they could have like scooped you up or, or there. And there's probably a couple other people uh, like, it's like, like you met Abby and that was your business partner. The, the pharmacies could have been business partner for, for someone like that, if they really devoted to it. And uh well, I think good, good for you guys. I think that's you. You guys did something that you're like, all right, if you're not going to do this, we'll do it. <laughs> and um, so, OK, so that came before and then media. All right. What, what other what other irons do you have in the, in the fire right now? 
Um, gosh. Um, so I, I think like one thing we're really interested in is, um, you know, our, our product marketplace is kind of, you know, a fun place for fertility consumers. And it's, um, and here we really make a point to work with startups. Um, so this is like, we will always be a mission driven company. Like, you know, we are IVF patients. All we want to do is pay it forward. And so in our marketplace, we're working with startups that might not have, who are doing, you know, legitimate things like, you know, and I'll name drop our medical advisors, Dr. Eduardo Ferritin, um, Dr. Sarah Barton, Dr. Nina Rafalkova, like, you know, all of these products have been, you know, like they have approved them. So they're all like medically sound products, but we're saying, okay, these startups are doing amazing things, but they don't have the reach that we have. So we're going to let them use our reach to put their products in our marketplace and help them succeed as businesses as well. So, you know, our product marketplace is, you know, it's, it's soft launched right now. We're doing a total rescan of the platform that'll be live um, late July, but you know, it's something that we're really, really proud about. Um, and so like, I would say, you know, that's one. And um, Kristen, what's, do you maybe want to chat about kind of what we're doing with Row and, you know, some of the content that we're putting yeah. out just given around. Just to piggyback on your marketplace yeah. comments really quickly. Um, you know, that's the, the startup viewpoint, but from a consumer viewpoint, you know, there's so much noise out there. If you're a fertility patient, you have no idea what supplements you should be taking. Um, you have no idea what products you actually need versus don't need at all. Um, so in addition to trying to amplify, you know, all the amazing things these startups are doing in the space, we're also trying to like break through the noise for patients and say, okay, this is what you actually need. This is what you don't, this is the science behind it and make your own informed decision. Um, but we're going to help you do that. And then, um, Oh, go ahead. Go Am ahead. I correct in understanding that it's e-com? Oh yeah. You are selling these companies products through your platform. Yes. Straight up. We're, we're a dropship marketplace. Now that's an idea that I never thought of that. I think <laughs> join the team, Griffin. Pretty, pretty, darn, pretty darn good. What were you going to say, Kristen? Oh, um, Abby mentioned the Roe v. Wade stuff. Um, you know, we really try to also be thought leaders in the space and, um, we don't back down from controversial topics and, you know, being advocates for our community, and, you know, something like this, which is going to affect potentially, you know, so many patients in high risk states, we really felt like it was important to join the conversation and be, you know, a voice and of, you know, information for those who were just panicking about how this could affect them. Yeah. And, you know, to kind of piggyback on that too, like <laughs> we are, we've been in the news a lot. So, you know, between Kristen and myself, we've been on the Today Show, we've been on the Wall Street Journal, we've been on BBC News, CNN, like the list goes on and on and on. So we, we have that, we have that kind of reach too. So, you know, to help this industry, just like be a part of that conversation. And most importantly, to help our patients be a part of that conversation. Mm -hmm. We think that's really important. And we want to use our, our influence for, for yeah. good. Well, I always say like, no one bats an eye at all of the motherhood platforms out there, like motherly scary mommy, like the list goes on and on. Um, but really there's only one 
fertility rescripted and why? I mean, I think it's close to one in five couples struggle with infertility now. And we're really giving a voice to that topic where no one really has before um, at this level. So um, always focus on the patients. So we had in the beginning was the prescription ordering via the, via the through the clinic via the EMR. That's kibosh, right? We're not. We're not. Oh doing yeah, that. not doing okay. that. <laughs> then, uh, then we only work with clinics if they come to us. Uh, then, then <laughs> pharmacy, uh, then then pharmacy prescription leads for cash pay payments as, as the hub. And we're still doing that, right? Well, media, media sponsorship, which right mm-hmm. now is the biggest of the revenue driver. Yeah. Uh, e-com, which we're in soft launch mm-hmm. right now. What else? Those are our three, those oh. are our three revenue drivers for Ben. So yeah, we so, also yeah, like a, a random revenue driver, like people are starting to come to us to the rescripted studio, we call it. Um, so we do, we do do white label content for folks um, who are trying to put out more patient friendly. Um, so- so people, so people, my audience doesn't hate this episode. They don't feel like I was a shill for your brand. They don't feel like I was attacking you. They like this episode. They're entertained and informed enough that you get invited back for July 7th, 2024. <laughs> of those three things, what do you suspect will be the biggest part of your business? Still media. Still media. Um, and, you know, I think that like pharmacy will be a close second. Um, you know, the, the product marketplaces, like we don't, it's, a, it's that's part of that and media play as well. So we're not looking for that to be a huge revenue driver we never have, but you know, it's, it's still media. So. Do you see acquisition in your future? Like us being acquired or we acquired? You use doing some acquiring. So I, I just, I don't see like a clear, winner in this race in terms of like just in terms of like one like there like there's the wall street journal and and then there's forbes and then there's cnbc but like it's like uh it's a so i think acquisition could be a route out there like there's ivf babble there's a couple other really good media platforms for patients that are probably close enough in your ethos and like uh do you see do you think that's a possibility? We haven't given it a ton of thought just because I think we've been charging so hard. Um, I'm also kind of a control freak when it comes to what content we put out and the mm-hmm. voice and, you know, it always has to be in our brand, like personality and, you know, really patient driven and um, evidence backed. And I, I don't know if we just inherited a ton of, articles, I'd probably still edit the crap out of them. (laughs) (laughs) I I think, I mean, we have, we have done an acquisition of a like now defunct company's content. So like we have done acquisitions here and there. Um, I think like if we were looking to like, we, we've certainly made our name among the patient community in, in fertility and pregnancy um, you know, as I mentioned, like fertility is a big promise. Um, it's helping those people who are, have just pulled the goalie and they're like, what, what do I do? Like, how do I get pregnant? Like, I have no idea what ovulation is. So like, that is the promise and helping us gain influence in that space. Like that's where I could see us like acquire that influence. But right now we're trying to build it. 
Well, there's no shortage of that because I, our entire generation was like, oh, yeah, I'll start thinking about kids at 35. Yes, like, that idea. That idea, millennials. <laughs> I, my hypothesis could be totally my hypothesis is because that there was I believe that there was a teen pregnancy bump in the 90s, like in the maybe early 90s, mid 90s. There was like and so like I think like that there was just I just remember sex ed being about like never get pregnant. Like it yeah. will ru- mm-hmm. it will ruin your life if you get pregnant. And then we're like, yeah, it will ruin our well, life. We and won't be able to do like, sweet stuff. And then, yeah. <laughs> and then, so it's like, all right, when do we, when do we have to kind of start doing sweet stuff? It's like, oh, I can at least do sweet stuff on 35, maybe, maybe 45. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll have a kid then. It's like, well, that's, that's not totally how it works. And yeah. so yeah. you've got, you've got a demographic that. Totally. I mean, like you can point to the data, like the average age of a first time mom in New York and San Francisco is 33. Like, that's not good for the, the egg, the old egg. But, and that's why it's such a, that's so much of the psychological impact of infertility too, is like, you're so blindsided because you're so unaware that this could even happen to you, despite the growing statistics, despite like the internet. And, you know, it's like, Oh wait, I don't get regular periods. So I can't get pregnant. Like it, we're just, we're, we're trying to disseminate like the most basic information that we were failed to have been taught when we were younger. Yeah. That should be like the part two for, for mm-hmm. like totally. the, the, se- the sex ads. It's like, all right, don't get STDs. Don't, you know, <laughs> exactly. don't get pregnant in these situations, but then you're going to have to think about all of this. Stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like so- we truly don't understand our reproductive systems. Like it's, it's a shame, but we're hopefully helping people. Are you all self-funded? Are you raising money right now uh, from VC? What's that like? Yeah. So we, we were intentional about not raising VC actually. So um, we are fully angel funded. Um, We are a team of mostly females. Um, We are 40% funded by females. We are 40% funded by people um, who have had fertility treatment. So um, it's something we're, we're really proud of to be, to operate with such a lean team. Um, we pay anywhere between 20 and 30 people on our payroll every month. Um, Angel but funded being friends and family? Um, yeah, call them friends. No, <laughs> they're friends now. No, um, you know, an- angels who are interested in investing in this space. So, you know, essentially we, we, we did go through Techstars. So like we do have institutional money from Techstars, but other than that, there's no institutional money. Are, are you so, planning to do an, uh, another raise? Consequ- yeah, another raise? Um, probably it's hard to say. It's, it's not something that... It's it's not our our highest priority. Our highest priority is is running a profitable business. Um, so we are we are seeking profitability. We are close to profitable, um, and that's something that that we're really proud of. Um, you know, we want to kind of maintain ownership of what we're doing and um, all that good stuff. So it's it's certainly something we're seeking. Do the angels have equity? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. We've raised we've raised um, about two million dollars to date. Um, and we were founded in 2020. Two million? Okay, so that's not nothing. No, no, yeah. Like, like, but like I said, they're not like friends. They've become friends. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, we've 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 certainly um, we've certainly raised some money. So, 
how do you get, I know you're not like doing subsequent rounds, at least not yet, but like, how do you even get angel money for a sponsorship revenue model? Like, it's a, I like, mean, it's me, it's a media company 101. Like there are people who invest in, in media companies and we found them. Let's see us. Yeah. It's, you know, there's a ton, a ton of media companies out there. And, you know, I'll, I'll point to, um, there's, there's one VC called the Churnin group that invests in, in plays like us. Um, and you know, their household names like food 52 and Goop and hello sunshine. And, you know, uh, what's that? Hodinky, the watch company. So, you know, this is very, there's def- definitely a playbook for what we're doing. Um, and there's an investor base for that playbook. What did you really need the money for? Like, cause I mean, theoretically you could bootstrap it. I mean, in theory and who knows how long it would take and that yeah. has its cons too. But so what did you feel that you needed the money for? The people, that's an amazing team. Um, we've got to, we've got to pay our folks. So, um, you know, it's our, we, we definitely invest in technology. Um, so we, we have an entire technology team. They're all in house. Um, that's something that's really important to us to have control um, and to be able to essentially serve patients up with what they want, serve patients and people. Again, they're not all infertility patients. Um, you know, we're also, it was a priority for us to really bolster our content team. Um, so Kristen has this like pretty substantial team that reports up to her that helps us with our creative, helps us resonate with patients, um, our head of marketing, our head of partnerships, um, our head of operations. So you know, there's, there's a lot that, that kind of goes on under the hood to kind of, you know, make this happen and enable us to help, help these patients with content tools and resources. So it's, it's all human capital. I'll give you both the last word. How would you like to conclude? Chris? I think it might seem like from today's podcast that we're doing a lot and we are, <laughs> yeah, you know, this is always like what I feel like we need to defend. Right, so let's ourselves. talk, let's talk a little bit about that actually, before we conclude. And because uh, that is one thing that is both true and necessary mm-hmm. of all good entrepreneurial ventures. And it's also true and destructive from all bad entrepreneurial ventures mm-hmm. like the, yes. the like the pivoting that happens and you know like you, we've had a school of thought for the last decade or maybe decade and a half of the lean startup and uh and ways to prove concept and all of those are good things and they they should be part of the procedure of testing a business but at the end of the day like, a business is not one concept. It is, mm-hmm. it, it, it's, it's dozens of concepts and you're proving each one of them as you, as you go through, the, mm-hmm. you, you know, the, the maturation of, of building a company. And so um, like, you can't just say, Oh yeah. Like uh, I put up this landing page and 10,000 people bought this. Therefore I have a company. It's like, okay, you got yeah. one idea going. And then there's a number of different things to prove after that. I and will so- say too, like you're only as strong as your team. When Abby approached me about merging our businesses, I was naturally really nervous about it. Um, and kind of took her through like a months long <laughs> con- <laughs> convince me process. But you know, what I think is so powerful about our team is that we each have our strengths and, you know, I'm content and creative and community, Abby's business and Paris technology. And then we have our head of marketing and head of partnerships and operations. 
but we all sort of stay in our own lanes and really respect what the others do while also being collaborative. And I think that's so important to not, you know, to just trust that we're all getting our jobs done and we're all on this team for a reason. I think, you know, your team can really make or break your startup. And um, I'm really proud to be a part of this one. Yeah. Let me and let then, me ask yeah. it this way, because yeah. the REI venture capital, the fertility venture capital graveyard is filled with companies like uh, I don't want to embarrass anybody, so I'll make one glow <laughs> like uh, yeah. they, but, but <laughs> they, it, they tried it, integration. It didn't work. I'm, but I'm, 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 and I'm ripping on them, but they raised a lot of money and they did yes. have they did at least have some really good team members at some point. And they also like they had a community They had a really good community. There were people that uh, you know, there were clinics that were getting like five percent of their patients from glow and mm-hmm. uh, and and then it just it couldn't material like they tried going one way tried going the other and um but then you have like fertility authority that becomes progeny it's like holy crap they really did it and then uh and so like it, it can like like the pivoting and the 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 figuring out like what really this is 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 necessary it can just go either way and so what are you all what do you feel that you're doing to safeguard to go the right way? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think it is, like, it's all about the data, Griffin. Like, we are, we're a super data-focused team. And we are also not afraid to kill things that we're working on. Um, So if the data is suggesting that something isn't working, we kill it. Like, we've killed so many different products to date. Um, Right now, all three of our, the ways that we make money, it's, it's working. Um, so we're not, we're, like maybe in, you know, on July 7th, 2024, we will only be doing one of those three things. But, you know, as of today, the data suggests that it's all working. Um, but when it isn't, or if it isn't, who knows, we're not afraid to kill it um, and focus on what, what is working. So for our team, like we are lean um, and we are, we're always looking at the data, you know, what's working, what's not. And you have to, you have to have that focus. Now I'll give you the the final, now that I scratched that, you reminded me that I wanted to, to, to talk about that, Chris. <laughs> no worries. Um, okay. So I lost my train of thought now, but um, I would say for those that are listening that might be skeptical of, you know, a patient community or um, a media platform in the industry. Um, you know, we were at ASRM a couple months ago and we, we really kind of saw that we were the only booth there sort of representing patients and as patients ourselves, you know, resolve just heard you say that. And they're like, what the, did they didn't have it? a booth. They didn't have a booth. We <laughs> when did. did. When, when did Resolve like, not have a booth at ASRM? I don't think they had a booth. No, they might have. I'm pretty sure they've had a booth at every ASRM <laughs> that's ever existed. I I guess I should rephrase that. They, because... had a, they had a booth in 2020 when there was no ASRM. They still, they went anyway. Okay, okay. And, fine. And Sorry, Barb, if you're listening. We love Resolve. We love Resolve. <laughs> no, I, I mostly meant it. I guess I don't consider them like a media platform. Like I was talking more about like, 
you know, we are patients and we are patient advocates and everything we do is for patients on our, you know, on our media platform, but we also bring in the clinics and the doctors and the brands that, you know, are doing the work and we're, so we're, we're working both sides to try to just arm patients with as much information and empower them to be their own best advocates on their journeys, because that's what we wished we had on our journeys. And also if you're skeptical, we'd love to work with you. (laughs) (laughs) So hit us up, abby at rescripted.com. That's, that's the best way to, to kill the, the skeptics and to say, you know, let's, we'd love to show you what we're made of and um, to show you how we can better educate patients. Well, that's the best way to kill the, the skeptics is time and, and doing it. And LeBron James wasn't LeBron James until he was. And so I don't know if rescripted is Josh Allen or if it's Baker Mayfield. I hope that you're Josh Allen because I like you. I like talking to you. The market <laughs> decides and, and you'll yeah. decide. So we're based in Colorado. So we're like, you can call us the Peyton Manning. Well, <laughs> I wish you the best of luck. Abby and Kristen, thank you for coming on Inside Reproductive Health. Thanks, Thanks Griffin. So much, You've been listening to the Inside Reproductive Health Podcast with Griffin Jones. If you're ready to take action to make sure that your practice thrives beyond the revolutionary changes that are happening in our field and in society, visit fertilitybridge.com to begin the first piece of the fertility marketing system, the goal and competitive diagnostic. Thank you for listening to Inside Reproductive Health.